And the question that we have right now is, what did we learn about the Lions amid back-to-back playoff wins? We are talking about a team that hasn't won prior to, you know, last week or two weeks ago. You know, they haven't won a playoff game in over 30 years, and they won back-to-back. So what did we learn about this Lions team for these two games? And I would love to do the honors to kick us off. You know, uh, to start us off, I think I learned that they are legitimate. They are good in the trenches. You know, and, and when you get in the trenches, football is one in the trenches. And I think they're not a perfect team. They don't have the elite quarterback. We talked about Patrick Mahomes. We talk about Josh Allen. We talk about what Jordan Love can be in the future. They don't have the elite quarterback. They don't have the elite defense, but they're good in the trenches. You know, their offensive line is one of the best. Their defensive line is one of the best. We saw the impact the defensive line had in this game, getting a free nickel off the edge which gave them an advantage to get to Baker Mayfield, resulting in four sacks on Baker Mayfield. And that helped their secondary out tremendously because I'm not going to lie, their secondary was been getting cooked. It's been getting cooked all year. CeeDee Lamb, 200-plus yards. You know, on Puka Nakua, we talking 147 yards? No, 181 yards. Mike Evans had 147 yards. And Baker Mayfield and Stafford has combined for 716 passing yards against this defense. I'm encouraged and discouraged by this game. Number one, we saw what Matthew Stafford and, you know, um, these quarterbacks have been able to do and these wide receivers have been able to do against them. What does that mean for Debo if he's playing Ayuk and Bob Purdy, right? But at the same time, I'm also encouraged because it wasn't a perfect game. There were times where they often stalled out, but Jared Goff came in the fourth quarter. He says, you know what? I'm going to win this game. I'm going to make the throws. And he was protected. We know Tabos. We know what he likes to do. The book is out on this guy. Okay. There's a reason why Jared Goff is 4-0 against Tabos, right? We got to look at that stat and say, why? How is that? Because right now it was two games when he was on the, the line, excuse me, on the Rams and two games this year. Um, against the Buccaneers that he has the wins over Ty Bowles. And why is that? Because Ty Bowles love to bring the blitz. And when you have a line that is one of the best in the league that can protect your quarterback, now you're giving something up in the secondary, and Jared Goff is able to make those tight, contested window-type, you know, throws that he's able to make. And he did in this game. You know, I'm a Ross St. Brown is that dude. We saw him in the fourth quarter step up and say, I'm the alpha on this team. So... What I learned about the Lions is that they are good in the trenches, and that's why they're legitimate, you know. One more point. The Eagles was the same way last year. You know, uh, they had an offensive line that was the best in football last year, protecting Jalen Hurts, right? Their defensive line had 73 sacks in the year. Okay, a record. They was good in the trenches. That's why they got that far. I told you before, no shots, no shots, no shots. Jalen Hurts arguably he's still a top 10 quarterback, but he's not top five. Top five is elite. But they was able to do that because they had a great football team in the trenches. That's why they went on that run. They lost some of those pieces this year on the defensive line, and that's one of the reasons why they struggled. So when you look at the lines, they remind me of the Eagles in those regards. They're good in the trenches, and when you are good in the trenches, you're going to have an opportunity to win a championship, even with a, a, a decent-level quarterback in Jared Goff. And that's what I learned about the Lions. I'll say this. Um, we spoke about the Lions a little bit last week, Lil and I did with uh, our guy Darren. And it's funny. I-, I was giving a lot of credit to just the organization as a whole, right? Like that duo of 
Dan Campbell and uh, Brad Holmes, and they've done a magnificent job, you know, really changing the culture. We know the history with this team. But I just got to say, like, right off the bat, I couldn't be any more impressed with Jared Goff. Like, this guy in these playoffs has been flawless. In the two games, 564 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. And he's the only guy in these playoffs that doesn't really have, like, a good defense in his back pocket to rely on if he fails to deliver, right? Like, we know about the Ravens' defense. We know about the Chiefs' defense and the 49ers' defense. All those other three quarterbacks, if they have a little bit of an off day, like, their defense could go win them the game. That's not the case with Detroit. And Goff has been lights out. He's been flawless. And he just has the thinnest margin for error. Like, I know we've spoken a lot about Sean McVay casting him aside for Matthew Stafford and the Lions really just picking him over Jimmy Garoppolo when they decided to trade uh, for, or trade Stafford away. And it's just extremely noticeable to me. Like, Dan Campbell really believes in him and does a great job giving him confidence, all the confidence that Sean McVay couldn't give him in Los Angeles. And I think that's rubbed off on him in a big way. And um, this team is just loaded, man. Like they have so much talent. A stat that really stands out to me too is their GM, Brad Holmes, has been there for three years, right? He's been there for three drafts. And every single player he's drafted during that span is still on the team. That's pretty rare that you see that. And I got to be honest too, like, I crushed the pick at the time, but I think Jameer Gibbs was literally the perfect first round pick for this team because behind this offensive line, he's going to go to work. I feel like if the Lions didn't have David Montgomery and he was just an every down back, this guy would be like Alvin Kamara as a rookie winning offensive rookie of the year. And he's going to be a first round pick in fantasy football next year. Like this guy is unreal. And, uh, Man, that building was electric. The Lions offense did enough, and uh, it's hard not to be really excited for that fan base. Hot take alert. Uh, what I learned about the Lions mid-back-to-back playoff um, wins, Josh Reynolds is the most important receiver on the Lions. This man, is his ability to get open, his ability to do multiple things, he is the, the gadget guy that Dan Campbell was referring to, and I feel like in, during the season, I know they talk about Jameer Gibbs. We're going to use him in different positions, not only the running back, we're going to put him in receiver, X, Y, Z. Josh Reynolds can do it all at a high rate, an impactful rate at that. You know, he this is a guy, he only had three targets the last game, but he was open like every damn possession. Every every damn um, down, he was open. This guy, is, his ability just to get open is ridiculous, and it, it enables the Lions to play freely. It doesn't have to be the St. Brown show where if he doesn't catch anything, the game is over. Josh Reynolds is a very gritty, tough receiver on that on that field. And I know that Laporta, he's shown out, and he show, he's shown out, of course. Jameer Gibbs has shown out uh, the last game. For instance, he had 10 yards per catch and 8 yards per carry. That is ridiculous. The man's an absolute beast. But then now when you take away all those X-Factor guys, when you take away all the big-name guys who you left with, you are left with Josh Reynolds on that field. And Jared Goff trusts him completely to go out and go out and get those touchdowns and go out and be open in the end zone and go out and get and get those 20, 30 yards after the catch. And this, this is a guy who goes under the radar. No one really knows who Josh Reynolds is. No one really anticipates him to have great games. But week in, week out during the season, during the playoffs, he shows up. He's the guy that shows up and shows out for this team. And I think um, Zach hit on the nail. The defense isn't that good. Um, we saw Baker Mayfield almost have a career year. 349 on passing yards, three touchdowns, um, two interceptions. He almost had a career year against the Detroit Lions team. 
a career game, excuse me, career game against the Detroit Lions team defensively. And that's something that's going to be a cause for concern. But there is a lot of bad blood between the Lions and the San Francisco 49ers. So hopefully that type of um, energy and emotion will be played with the Detroit Lions defense. And hopefully we'll see a better version of their defense going into that game. But so far, we've seen them give up a lot of passing yards. We've seen them give up a lot of rushing yards. Um, You know, um, Rashad White, he hasn't had a fantastic year uh, running the football, but against the Lions, he looked pretty damn good. So I think that's going to be a cause for concern, especially against the San Francisco 49ers, who have Christian McCaffrey. But, yeah, I think for me, what I've learned is that Josh Reynolds is a guy to look out for during that NFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, look, this team has a lot of, you know, uh, talent. I have yet to see Jamison Williams really get a big role in the offense. You know, uh, I think if they can incorporate him a little bit more, then you're talking about a really, really good receiving core that is more than what is given credit. You know, when you look at this team and you look at Amara and the numbers that he puts up on a game-by-game basis, you'll start to say, well, yeah, there's a, there's a Robin on this offense, you know, as far as wide receivers is concerned, but they have a balanced offense. You know, we know that with the running backs with, you know, um, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, and this is how they came out week one against the Chiefs, just like this. And the fact that they're able to maintain this level of balance with the level of talents, you know, um, is why they got this far. And the Buccaneers, they wasn't able to really get any pressure from the outside linebackers with a four-man rush. And I think that's why, Jared Goff was able to really sit there and sit on his toes and, and make his toes. But uh, my last point about the Lions, and I throw the mic, is that uh, next week, man, next week is going to be a very fascinating game to watch. You know, I'm starting to go with the Lions. And, and, you know, my gut is telling me to go there because um, Jared Goff is experienced. That's one thing he is that Brock Purdy isn't. And I think when you talk about the talent level of these two teams, it's mano y mano. There's talent on both sides. Yes, I am a little bit concerned about the secondary, but if Debo's not playing in this game, will that make an impact? Uh, maybe, maybe not, because at least I know Kyle Shanahan knows that he's not going to be in the game, so he's going to better prepare the offense where it's not creating packages, expecting him to be in the game. You know he's not going to be in the game, so I think it's going to be better served. It's going to be a good game, but the Lions have showed me a lot in these two playoff games, and that's why I'm willing with them to win next week. Any last words before we go to the Buccaneers? Last thing. Uh, I, I said it earlier in my take with um, Shanahan um, in terms of the the animosity, in terms of conservative versus aggression. That's the game. That's what I'm looking for right now. I loved how the Lions are being aggressive week in, week out in the playoffs. They're staying aggressive. I just hope Dan Campbell, see, though he sees the Super Bowl in their grasp, Stay aggressive. Don't play this conservative versus conservative game with Shanahan. You know Shanahan's going in conservative. You've seen it. He's not going to change his play calling overnight. Be aggressive. Go out there and take what's yours. And trust me, they will do just that if they have the opportunity. I know Dan Campbell. He's going for it today. Okay? He already know he's going for it. That's the thing I like about them. And one more thing, the class. Dan Campbell. You know, Dan Campbell. You know Dan Campbell. Yeah, exactly. In the drive class, all those guys, Sam LaPorta, you know, um, this dude named Branch on the defense, you know, Jameer Gibbs, we questioned, they had the most questionable draft amongst the media, and these guys have been playing and contributing in the playoffs. Anyway, let's talk about the Bucks here, because obviously their season is over. Now, we are looking ahead to 2024, 
And the question is, can the Bucks be the next Detroit Lions? And um, whoever want to answer this question first, the mic is yours. I, I got it. Um, I don't think the Buccaneers can be the next Lions. Uh, right now, their salary cap is looking depleted completely. I believe I saw a, a rumor, maybe a stat, maybe it's correct. I don't know. I saw it, but they're like negative uh, 50 million in salary cap or some craziness like that. They don't have the opportunity to really change and bolster what they have going on over there. On top of that, uh, next season, they have a bunch of guys that's going to be free agents. And you have to figure out who you're resigning and who you're not. I know I talked about it off air. You, you have to try to resign Mike Evans to become a lifelong buck. If not, you have to figure out what the heck you're going to do with this team. You need a quarterback. But, um, Baker Mayfield may have just outplayed what they're willing to pay him because the rumor was four years, $40 million, I think, when he just took this Buccaneers team that had a depleted offensive line, that had uh, that didn't really couldn't really do much uh, to bolster what they had. He took them to the playoffs and almost took them to the MC Championship, and that's a possibly that he just out outplayed whatever contract he was going to get offered by the Buccaneers. Um, you you have a I think if I'm not mistaken a bevy of defensive players on that free agency, especially I believe is um Anton Winfield Jr. is one right. of those guys. I know up top they got to bring bunch, him it's back. A bunch of guys, it's like a lot of starters. So I, I don't know what the Buccaneers are planning to do in terms of who they're recouping or they're just going to try to rebuild literally overnight because they're not willing to re-sign all those guys for top dollars as they will command in that market. So I think the Buccaneers, they, it's going to take a couple of years before they become the next Lions because they're going to have to recoup and rebolster what they once had with Tom Brady, which is a bunch of star players around a, a, a really great quarterback. So for right now, I'm going to say they're not going to be the next Lions. We might be seeing a team that potentially might be the next Chicago Bears. You gotta have to rebuild and, and and bolster talent, and hopefully you get the right coach for to do the, the correct job. Yeah, I'll go ahead, Zach. You look like you' about to jump yeah. in. I'll wait after you. Okay. Um. So I don't love the Lions comparison just because, like, I don't think there is a comparison for the Lions. Like, the Lions literally didn't win a playoff game in over thirty years, and they they had so many coaches, like so many quarterbacks. It took them forever. And this Buccaneers team, like, they've won the NFC South the last four years in a row. They won a Super Bowl within the last half decade. Like, this team, this is a very well-run organization. And I think they will have some important decisions to make, right? Like, I think you could literally make the argument they're three best players. Mike Evans, Baker Mayfield, and Antoine Winfield. They're all going to be free agents. So they're going to have to make some key decisions there. But I will say, too, like, Jason Light. This guy might just be the best GM in the NFL, yep. and, and yep. I trust him to build this team and get this team to compete each and every year. Like th this past draft, he's had Kalijah Kansi, Yaya Diabe, the linebacker uh, fifty-two. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. That was uh, making uh, plays. He he was playing for uh, Devin oh, White. God. Like they they have some dogs on this team, and and it wasn't that long ago that you know. Tom Brady left, and we were wondering, like, is this Buccaneer team just going to be in a bad position going forward? And immediately, just a year later, they're back in the playoffs, winning playoff games, and they were even better than they were last season. So I'm a big believer in Jason Light. Like, as long as he's running this team – K.J. Bird is the guy's name, by the way. I, I was blanking on him. But Jason Light, th this guy is the real deal as a GM. I still see a lot of talent on this team, and I think – Tampa Bay is the perfect spot for Baker Mayfield. You know, it, it might be a lot of money, but it's clear that Baker, he's a guy that has been looking for a home for a while now. And I think Tampa Bay is finally the place for him. Now, hopefully Dave Canales doesn't get the Panthers job. It's looking like that might be the case. And I think that would be a big key. 
uh, to bring him back. But if they have Baker Mayfield and Dave Canales, I, I think this offense is going to be right back uh, near the top of the league. I, I trust Jason White. And, uh, you know, we'll see what the Falcons do with their next head coach, but they still have answers at quarterback. The Panthers and the Saints are two teams that aren't really going to be factors to me anytime in the future going forward. Like, I just think the Buccaneers, we have to kind of look at them in a different light. Like, they have, they've made the playoffs four years in a row, and they have maybe the best GM in the league that's going to keep them competitive each and every year. So I'm a big believer in this Buccaneers organizational structure. I trust the guys that are making the important decisions. I still see some talent on this team. And I think overall they had a great season and they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. I think when you look at this question and you wonder where's this comparison of Detroit and Buccaneers coming from, is it because they played each other? That's why the comparison is brought up. I think when you look at this question, you talk about the similarities in the question that maybe we can't see right now um, in regards to quarterback, you know, Jared Goff, his career was left for dead. You know, he was literally sent to the Lions then, and he became a Lion, right? That's how his career panned out. You know, Baker Mayfield on the Clarence rack. Nobody wanted this guy. Nobody wanted to touch this guy. And, you know, the Buccaneers took a flyer, revitalized his career. You talk about the coronation. Ben Johnson is one of the best in the game at what he does. He's the hottest commodity. He's the hottest name as far as the NFL coaching hiring cycle right now. You look at Dave Canales, and he's looking like he's about to have a job. But we do know what Ben Johnson did last year. He could have had a job then, but he came back to finish what he started with Jared Goff. And who's to say that won't be the case with Dave Canales coming back to finish what he started with Baker Mayfield? That's if Baker Mayfield comes back. So there are similarities there in those regards. Um, I can't think of anything else because, um, you know, I just don't believe the Buccaneers is a team that nobody could be like the Lions in general. The Lions are very hard to compare anything. I've never seen nothing like the Lions in my life, to be honest with you. It's a story that keeps on giving to media platforms like ours. But as far as the Buccaneers is concerned, with all due respect, I do want to start off with credit because a lot of people is going to want that from me. They know I'm not a Baker Mayfield guy. They know my history with Baker Mayfield as far as my commentary and my opinions about him. So I just want to get this out the way. Congratulations. He had a very good year. Um, when we do our quarterback rankings in the summertime, expect to see him higher than 20. You know, maybe around, you know, around that mark, but definitely no, you know, no farther than 23, 24, 25, where he was, you know, last year on my rankings. He has improved. He has shown that he is one of the 32 best quarterbacks in this league. He has shown that he could get your team to the playoffs, and that's where I leave it. But anything else y'all trying to get from me, I ain't getting it with all due respect. Um, he is not clutch. Okay, um, that was evident in this game with Jared Goff was clutch. He got his team down the field to win the game. Baker Mayfield had his opportunity to match that hashtag interception game over. Um, I'm not paying this guy with all due respect, 30 to 40 million dollars. I'm just not doing that. Okay, so Jason Light, I agree with Zach 1000 percent is the best in the game. He has maneuvered around this salary cap for years and was able to consistently put a playoff uh, a pairing team every single year. And I give him credit for that. And yeah, I could understand where the faith is in him. But um, I don't think he's Houdini now. I mean, you got Mike Evans who you got to pay. You could have gave him a contract before you didn't. Okay, he's going to be a free agent. He's probably going to have offers. And even if he doesn't, this guy's over 31. He's going to be 31 in August. One thing I know about receivers, 
And I understand he has been the model of consistency in the NFL. But when you get over that 30 mark is where things get iffy. Numbers start to decline. I'm not sure if I even want to bring Mike Evans back. And if I do, then what does that mean for Baker Mayfield? Because having Baker Mayfield with no Mike Evans, having Baker Mayfield potentially with no Dave Canales and Mike Evans, I'm sorry. Say what you want. Call me a Baker Mayfield hater. But Baker Mayfield, 30 to $40 million without Dave Canales and Mike Evans, I'm just not about to do that. With all due respect, I'm not. And um, you can say what you want to say. We saw with Geno Smith, you know, contract he got. It's probably going to be in the same, you know, ballpark as far as a three-year, multi-year contract. But Geno Smith is flaming out. Can we call a spade a spade? He had one good year. He's flaming out, bro. He's not an elite quarterback to me, okay? So um, if you think this year is a year that Baker Mayfield can give you every single year, by all means, cut him the check. But to me, I'm not going to lie. I think it's an anomaly. You know, I've seen it in, in, in Cleveland. When he had one good year, they made the AFC – Division around and what happened the next year after that, you know. So, um, yeah, with all due respect, Baker Mayfield, congrats. You are starting quarterback in this league. You're probably gonna have a job next year. But Jason Light got some real tough questions. And to answer the question for once and for all, no, I don't think they could be the next lines because there is no another lines. They in a league by themselves. Real quick, I just want to name the four players who had they have a critical decision to make. You literally already stated Mike Evans, of course, Devin and White, linebacker. Yeah, um, Baker Mayfield, quarterback, and then that's course Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, so those are the four players that they really have to make crucial decisions: who they bringing back, who they leaving. I don't think they got to go out, go into off season without bringing at least one of those dudes back. But two, like I said, two of the players are going to command almost twenty million a year, and that between Devin White and Antoine Winfield Jr. Baker Mayfield, like I said, he may go up north of ten million a year annually, maybe closer to fifteen to twenty, depending on what's happening. Because as we saw this season, the at the request for backup quarterbacks went up tremendously. And I can only assume the market's going to inflate even further than it already. The quarterback market is going to inflate even further than it already was due to the fact that all these different quarterbacks got hurt and everyone was asking for a backup QB. So let's see what happens. That's one thing I'll say. Like, I get the point. Like, oh, that sounds like a lot of money for Baker Mayfield. One thing I'll say about the Bucs, though, is like if they don't do it, someone else will. I think this playoff run. Yeah, let them do it. <laughs> you know, if I, okay. Yeah, you want to spend – 30 million on Baker Mayfield, you do it. I yeah, I trade for Justin Fields tonight. With all due respect. <laughs> yeah. Mayfield Cousins, you know, I think both those guys, their market is gonna be pretty hot this offseason. And Baker, he's been a very good playoff quarterback. Like I know he hasn't made a conference championship game just mm -hmm. yet, but in four career playoff games where he's been the underdog in all four, he has 10 touchdowns and four interceptions. So he's been great. Um, and I give him a lot of credit. You know, a lot of people counted this guy out. Uh, he came to Tampa Bay, found the perfect fit. I, I hope they bring him back next year because I think that's the spot for him. We'll see what happens with the Bucks and what they decide to do and how they decide to maneuver around the tough questions that they have for back-to-back -back years. Please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We're, we've been slinging shows left and right, slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, or leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. It's, all ideas are great ideas. Nothing's a dumb question.